What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Coban. It's July 2, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn episode 42. In this episode, I'll be talking about how to lose weight or tone out that bat wing area, aka the back of your arms, aka your triceps, and how to recover from injury properly. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search liftandlearnpodcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So let's start off this week with some playoff hockey coverage and get that out of the way. I actually still can't believe that the Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Man, but I think they're actually the last Canadian team to actually win the Cup back in 1993, if I remember what I heard this week correctly. Well, regardless, they're playing Tampa Bay, and they've managed to lose the first two away games this week. Honestly, I'm not really cheering for either team. I'm just watching just to watch at this point. But I guess I am pulling for Tampa more, since I really don't like the Canadians. But it would be kind of cool to see Carey Price lift the cup. At the same time, I don't want to see Tampa win another COVID championship, since... That'll mean they won back-to-back in the weirdest seasons that the NHL has seen for a while. Regardless, I guess I'm cheering for Tampa slightly more, so I'm glad they won the first two games pretty easily. The first game was 4-1 or 5-1, I think. And then they played the other day and they won that one 3-1. They scored this crazy goal at the end of the second period with .3 or .4 left on the clock. This guy just dove and batted the puck in which was uh, such a nice play. Then the third goal that went in for Tampa was just some miscommunication behind the net that led to a turnover, and then the Tampa Bay player, I don't know, I think it was Palat, he just shot the puck in, basically a wide-open net. So the next game will be this weekend, or maybe tonight, I don't even know, for Game 3 in Montreal, so we'll see how those ones go. But Vasilevsky, honestly, the Tampa Bay goalie, has to be getting the playoff MVP after his performance so far. And we'll get back to hockey in a bit, but let's talk about the NBA for a sec. So the NBA Finals are almost set. Phoenix is going to the championship after they won their series over the Clippers in six games. And it looks like they're going to play Atlanta or Milwaukee, surprisingly enough. Trey Young got injured early in the series, he has a serious bone bruise, and he missed all the games after leaving Game 3, I think it was. And then in Game 4, it was anyone's game at that point, and then another injury happens. This time it's Giannis from Milwaukee, and that pretty much eliminated their chances of going on to the next round. At least, that's what I thought. I only managed to watch that slow motion replay once, because honestly, it just hurts me to see that 
but he definitely hyperextended his knee there. The game was over at that point, and Landa ended up going on a run for the rest of the game. The MRI for Giannis's knee, though, did come back clean, meaning there isn't significant damage, so I guess we'll see if he comes back in this series, but I'm assuming he's out for the playoffs unless they advance or something. Trey Young is hoping to get back into this series after Milwaukee won game... What is that, game five? Yeah, they won. Uh, Brooke Lopez had an amazing game. But honestly, it looks like Phoenix could be taking the championship home this year, which is unexpected, after they were the worst team in the league just two years ago. But they've managed to avoid serious injuries to their roster, although Chris Paul is battling a few injuries, I think. Milwaukee and Atlanta are now missing their best players, and I don't know if either one will be... Uh, 100% for the finals. And DeAndre Ayton should be able to have his way with either the Bucks or the Hawks, I think. And Phoenix's guards should be able to have a mismatch there as well. And CP3 is there, and the leadership he brings will be huge. So it looks like Phoenix could be the 2021 NBA champs this year. And one more big story going back to hockey... But last thing that's related to sports today, the Chicago Blackhawks looks like they're going to have a long offseason. There's new reports that have been going around around the past two weeks or so around some sexual assault that happened back in 2010. So it looks like former assistant coach Bradley Aldrich, I think is his name, he's being investigated because of a former player filing a sexual assault claim that happened in 2010 and he's seeking $150,000 in damages. And this guy, Aldrich, actually went on and became a volunteer for a high school team back in 2013, and he sexually assaulted a 16-year-old kid. It's not looking good for the Blackhawks organization right now, and they've just hired a private firm or whatever to look into the whole situation. A few Blackhawks players, like Brent Sopel, I think is his name, he actually tweeted that the front office, this is this is his tweet directly, the front office staff should be in jail. The NHL is showing their true colors. Gary, who's the commissioner, doesn't care about anyone but himself. This is absolutely disgusting that the NHL is doing nothing. And that tweet was on June 25, so that was early on when this whole thing started to make waves, but... It looks like they are trying to move forward with the investigation now at this point. Apparently, this whole sexual assault thing was an open secret within the organization, so that's not a good look. Especially considering that guy went on three years later to assault a kid, like I said earlier. Okay, so on to some good news within the Blackhawks organization. So in case you don't already know, Jonathan Taves, who's the captain, he missed all of last season with an issue that left him feeling drained and lethargic. And Taves and the Blackhawks were keeping whatever was bothering him pretty secret. And we didn't really hear from Taves the whole year until Patrick Kane hit some milestone during the year, which I forget exactly what that was. But then Taves recorded a quick video just congratulating him, basically. So Jonathan Taves has finally come out and said that he was actually suffering from chronic immune or inflammatory response syndrome, CIRS. They put out a two-minute video a few days ago, and he's finally back on the ice and skating again, so that's really good to see. 
Man, I'm super excited to see the captain back out there once again this upcoming season. So it's now confirmed that the Blackhawks will once again hoist the Stanley Cup in 2022. At least I can dream. Alright, on to some entertainment news for this week when it comes to movies or whatever. With the box office starting to rebound again with movies like Fast and Furious and Cruella, it looks like Hollywood is starting to film more movies and start up production again. Aquaman 2 started filming again, and so did John Wick Chapter 4, which is supposed to come out in May of next year. Side note, if you're in Canada, John Wick 1, 2, and 3 are now on Netflix, so that's probably what I'll be watching this Canada Day weekend. And I don't know if I mentioned it before, but apparently they're actually filming John Wick 4 and 5 at the same time, or something like that, so that's pretty interesting. Knives Out 2 also started filming, but I haven't watched the first one. Apparently, though, that one's pretty good. I think I also read that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will start production this November as well, so that's another huge movie to look out for. And in Ontario, we hit Phase 2 this past Wednesday, or Stage 2. And that means people can go out and get haircuts and salon appointments or whatever. And the malls are more open. I think I saw a line in front of Square 1 or something. But that also means that we're less than 3 weeks away from Phase 3 or Stage 3, which is where gyms will be allowed to open. Finally. And before I get into the topics for today, there was some research done on Americans who started to exercise before or during middle age, and the studies show that those people will typically save around $1,000 a year on healthcare costs after they retire. I don't think this one is really all that shocking. Yeah, exercise is going to be great for your overall health since you're lowering your risk for any kind of diseases like cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes, and some cancers, you're going to be living in that body for the rest of your life, and exercise will improve your quality of life in so many ways, so why not start today if you haven't already? Question 1. What exercises are good for losing body fat in the batwing area? Alright, so batwing area, I assume that this person means the triceps, basically. So if we're looking to target the triceps specifically, there's a bunch of exercises we can do there. But ultimately, it's going to come down to you exercising regularly while also maintaining a healthy diet where you're losing body fat. Because you can't just spot reduce fat. Meaning, just because you do all the triceps exercises in the world doesn't mean your underarm fat will just go away while the rest of your body still holds that unwanted body fat. You're going to have to lose fat throughout the body, and the best way to do that is being consistent with both exercise and your diet. Now, specific exercises we can use to target the triceps, and there's a bunch of them, but I personally like to have my clients do dips if they're capable of doing them and not significantly overweight. And that's because it doesn't require any equipment, really. You just need a place where you can put your hands And then you adjust your own body weight to make the exercise easier or more difficult. This is one that I've been doing a lot and my clients have been doing a bunch too since we're still at home here in Ontario, Canada. For me to do dips, I'm in my backyard. I just use a chair or anything that I can place my hands on and do dips from there. 
Now, you might have to look up how to do these on YouTube. I can't really explain it on the podcast. But you have to also remember not to really lock out your elbows at the top of the movement. If you want to make this movement easier for you, then just simply bring your feet in closer to your body or the chair. If you want to make it harder, then slide your feet farther out or do it on one leg or elevating your legs could make it more difficult as well. If you're advanced, you can even load some weight on your lap or something like that. Now, if you have bars that you can do dips on, then again, you can do weighted dips. I have a pull-up belt where I'll load up weight with that since bodyweight dips are a bit easier for me. That's a really good and simple exercise you can do for your triceps. It'll hit all of your, all three heads of your triceps. And it's a simple one to do at home if you're limited on equipment. If the gyms are open for you, or you have more equipment that you can use, then other triceps exercises that I prefer because of overall muscle recruitment would be something like a close grip bench press and the skull crusher. Specifically for myself, I try to use free weights as much as possible because that's what will stimulate the most amount of muscle as opposed to using machines and you're not locked into just a linear or forced range of motion. So for experienced lifters, I think you should start doing the close grip bench press because you're able to really overload the triceps muscle and force growth because of the amount of weight you'll be pushing. For that movement, you're on the bench press, of course, and you have to remember to keep your arms or your elbows tucked in by your side while you're pushing up the weight. Next up would be skull crushers, and I like to use a fixed easy curl bar with this exercise. So you might notice these in your gym, they're like mini barbells with a fixed weight, and in my gym they go up to 120 pounds but I'm currently using around 60 to 80 pounds with that exercise when it comes to the weight. In the past, I have gone too heavy on this exercise though, and for me that caused a bit of elbow pain. So if you are going to do this exercise, I suggest starting out with some light weight, and you got to really control the weight. And to reduce the amount of elbow pain that you might get during this exercise, you can stop at the bottom of the movement, instead of just using the momentum of the weight to help you. And this movement is called the skull crusher, so technically you're supposed to bring the bar down to like your head area, but if you bring your elbows back, this is hard to explain on the podcast, but if you bring your elbows back and have the weight lowered like behind your head while you're on an inclined bench, and I think that is the best way to do the skull crusher. Now, if you can't perform these two exercises or simply just don't want to, some of my other favorite exercises include tricep rope extensions, where you, as the name suggests, use the rope and attach it at the cable station. All you do is pull down the rope. And that sounds simple enough, but you have to remember to keep your chest up, stay standing tall, and then you're pulling down the rope. To activate the triceps a little more, or activate the triceps fully, at the bottom of the movement you want to split the rope or pull the rope apart, and that'll help exaggerate that tricep flexion at the bottom of the movement. Some common mistakes I see with this one are bending forward, like your upper body leans forward so you can push down the weight. And that's fine to a certain extent, but it'll be better if you just stand straight up, especially if this is a new exercise for you, 
That way you're not recruiting other muscles you're not intending to, like possibly your chest, which would kind of defeat the purpose of this movement. If you feel like the weight is too heavy and you're starting to lean forward, then it could be a sign that you need to lighten the weight and just focus on doing the movement properly at first. I'll give you guys another movement that I actually have been implementing on some of the days where I work out my tricep, which is a single arm tricep extension done with the cables. I don't know if that's the official name for this exercise, but I'll explain it to you as much as I can with my words. So this one will be done again on the cable machine, and for this you don't even need any kind of attachment, which is good if your gym is like mine and you can't find the proper attachments most of the time. But hopefully your cable station has a pin to select weight, because sometimes the gyms I go to around me are missing that somehow. Anyways, okay, so you adjust the cable machine apparatus to the bottom, and you're going to grab that with one hand. You're going to take a step away from the cables, hinge at the hips, and you're going to extend your arm back, and you're basically emulating a tricep kickback. For this exercise, you have to make sure that your back is in a neutral position, so... Hopefully you have some sense of body control or you have a mirror around that that will help you see your positioning, basically. I prefer doing this version of the tricep kickbacks because on the cables you'll get a constant tension throughout the whole movement, as opposed to if you're using the dumbbells where there isn't a lot of tension at the bottom of the movement because gravity isn't acting upon the weight. So there you have it. A few exercises to build up those triceps and get rid of that underarm fat that you might have. Again, remember that you can't spot reduce fat though. That means that just because you do all the triceps exercises in the world doesn't mean your bat wing fat or underarm fat or tricep fat will just go away. Doing the exercises will increase the amount of muscle you have in that area and you'll be able to see that or that muscle shape when you do lean out but you're ultimately going to have to lose overall fat all throughout your body. Question 2. How to recover from injury the right way? So, a little backstory here, and if you've been listening to the podcast consistently over the past few weeks or episodes, then you're probably already tired of hearing about this. But for the past three months or so, I've been recovering from my own shoulder injury, I dislocated my shoulder in late April, and the gyms are opening soon, and I finish up the rehab process right on time, so I have some recent experience with this, and I've recovered from injuries in the past, and helped some clients through a few as well. So when it comes to recovering from injury properly, first things first, you need to rest it. I've been through a few injuries, like I said. I've had injuries to my ankles, I fractured my thumb, and most recently, just about 10 or so weeks ago, I dislocated my shoulder, which was something that hasn't happened before. And now I'm pretty much back to normal at this point because I feel like I did things, for the most part, correctly. So when this doctor popped my shoulder back in, he mentioned to rest for about 3-6 to six weeks before I started doing any kind of activity and begin the rehab process. So, like I said, first things first, you need to give that injury some time to rest and give your body a chance to build back some of that tissue that may have been damaged or whatever kind of damage occurred wherever that injury is. So, for my injury, I rested for about three to four weeks. My arm was in a sling for the most part. 
because before that I did notice that it was still difficult to do basic tasks like put on a shirt without pain or put on my uh, put on my deodorant to the opposite armpit. So reaching with my left arm to my right armpit was difficult. Or something like soap my body when I'm in the shower. I even woke up a few times because of pain in my shoulder for the first few weeks. And that was really annoying. But I decided not to take any painkillers at all throughout the recovery. But that just depends on your own pain tolerance and how bad the pain is for you. So those things were still pretty painful for my left arm to do. And that's how I knew I couldn't really do much activity. Now, something like a journal may help you here to evaluate if you're making any progress or recovering at all. I didn't personally keep a journal really, but I had my podcast where I just mentioned how it was feeling briefly and that helped me see and realize that the pain was slowly starting to go away when it comes to this part of the process, which was resting it. I didn't have any swelling or bruising in that area, so I didn't really need to ice it or heat it up. But those could also help when it comes to the resting and healing process for the first few weeks. During this time, I think another thing to think about is acceptance over the injury. I mentioned it before, but when I fractured my thumb a few years ago, I was really down on myself and bringing those around me down too. Looking back at it now, it seemed dumb because my thumb will eventually be okay. Yeah, there's some limitations to it, but... I can do everything I thought I wouldn't be able to do before. Like, uh, I never thought I'd be able to lift properly again. I never thought I'd be able to play sports. Like, I figured throwing something like a baseball would be impossible, but that's not true. The thing is, though, when you do get injured, especially if it's something serious, initially you're thinking of all the wrong things that'll happen or the worst things that could happen. And that's why with my latest injury, I knew not to feel that way. I knew from experience that things will get better as long as I just trust the process and recover the right way. So accept the fact that you got injured. You can cry about it if you want for a day or two, but eventually you need to come up with a plan so that whatever injury it is, it doesn't stop you from doing things that you want to do. And this whole recovery process is just a small part of your life story. So after resting and accepting what happened, then it's time to put in the work, which that's a step where most people won't even bother, but it's super important that you don't just rest the injury forever because then it'll never get healed. Okay, so after three to four weeks, the pain started to go away and I just started a little rehab process. That didn't mean go back into the gym or grab some dumbbells and start curling and pressing however much weight I could. Remember that this process is going to be slow. And honestly, if the gyms were open for me, I probably would have gotten ahead of myself and started doing excessive training faster than I should have. So take this next step slowly when it comes to building back strength, power, and especially stability. When you're injured, you're going to lose that range of motion as well. So when you're rehabbing your injury, it's best to do short and slow movements with a very light weight. For my shoulder, that meant simple movements like body weight arm circles. Slowly, of course, not just windmilling your arm as fast as possible. So that meant I grabbed the lightest one or two pound bands that I had and I did shoulder external and internal rotation movements.
At this point in my recovery process, I had to analyze my own movement patterns to see that I actually felt pain just doing an arm weight or body weight lateral raise for that left shoulder. Actually, I remember being in the backyard at my Airbnb and I was doing that in the backyard. Just body weight lateral raises and it got better over the past, over the, sorry, over the 10 days I was there. Even just using my own body weight, that was extremely difficult, still four weeks later, but I slowly started to do them and noticed that I'd be able to get higher every few days, which is another good sign. I also mentioned before that I couldn't even raise my arm over my head at this time, so I slowly started to work on doing that with just my body weight as well, or just my arm weight. I also couldn't do a push-up at this time, so... I started with just doing on-the-knee holds in a plank position. Then eventually, after a few more weeks, I got into doing on-the-knee push-ups. So first, you gotta rest. Then, when you're ready, get into slow and controlled movements that'll increase your strength and stability and range of motion with whatever injury you're dealing with. So some minor factors, of course, your diet's gonna play a little factor here. But probably not as big a factor as the actual exercise and rehab process. So just a little quick mention for the foods that could help with your recovery. Protein is great, of course, for the muscle building blocks you'll need. Omega-3s could be great for anti-inflammatory properties. And something like vitamin C isn't just for your immune system. It could also help tissue repair and helps your body absorb calcium for bone health. Again, an overall balanced diet will help ensure that you'll recover properly and quicker. And another minor factor, sleep is important for this recovery process as well. You recover and build while you sleep, so be sure to get 7-10 to 10 hours of optimal and deep sleep, and that'll help you recover quicker as well. Now, one night of bad sleep might not lead to slow recovery, but not sleeping the optimal amount the majority of the time could slow down the recovery process. While we sleep, muscles and tissues will basically regenerate during REM sleep, so this is still a pretty critical step when it comes to recovering from an injury. You can't just rest forever and expect the injury to heal itself magically. That's why that's a huge step to strengthen and stabilize the injured areas. That's going to separate those who'll feel the lasting effects of an injury for years or the rest of their life versus someone who can again move pretty optimally and actually recovered from the injury and have it not nagging you forever. This is an important step that often gets overlooked. This is an important step when it comes to trying to prevent future injuries in that area. And of course, when you're going to go back into your training or strength building exercises, Again, you need to take it slow, just take it nice and easy. You don't want to re-injure yourself and set yourself back another few months. So if we're going to use me for an example, I dislocated my shoulder, and that's going to make basically any upper body exercise pretty difficult and a little bit scary for a while. Before I injured myself, my top set on bench press was 305 pounds for two reps. Now, what does that mean when I go back into the gym? Not much. I'm going to warm up with the bar, 45 pounds, see how that goes. Then I'll probably put some 25s on each side just to see how that goes. I'm basically starting from scratch when it comes to an injury like this. The thing is though, if you've been training for a while or 
just training in general, then this isn't that big of a deal because of muscle memory. If everything goes well with my recovery, I should be back to where I was in April a few months into my training. Now, I'm not going to rush this process. I'm not going to try to get back to my old strength as fast as possible. This is where listening to your body is going to be crucial to get back to form. Now, I'm not going to mention every single injury out there, but generally minor injuries or fractures could take weeks or months to recover. And if it's a tendon or ligament injury, that could take longer, like a few months or maybe even more than a year, depending on the severity. Of course, since you're coming back off an injury, your form is going to be even more important than ever, even if you're like me and didn't injure yourself in the gym. Form is going to be more important now more than ever because of the injury. But that's okay because it gives you time to work on other things. If you were used to just pushing weight before, now would be a good time to, again, focus more on that mind-to-muscle connection and focus more on the form. It could be time to make sure that you're activating the proper muscles during your movements as you progressively add weight over the next few weeks or months. That'll give your body time to get used to moving optimally again, and it should ensure that you don't hurt yourself again. Like I've said before, the gyms aren't open yet, so this is probably the most ideal time for me to get injured. I've been back home since late April, and the gyms aren't opening until mid to late July, so these past 12 weeks off actually helped me focus on just the recovery process, especially from this injury, and it's not like I missed any gym time, really. Now, when I do step back into the gym, uh, the process after resting where I eased into shoulder activity with bands and light weight, I have to do the same thing when I get into the gym. Something like dumbbell or barbell bench press, I have to judge with lighter weights to see how well my home workouts and rehab process actually worked. Now, I'm able to do those with 35 pounds at home. I can now shoulder press 35 pounds standing up, which I've been able to do for the past three weeks or so. That doesn't mean I go into the gym and pick up the heaviest dumbbells I can, like maybe jump all the way to 70s again. That means, again, making sure my range of motion is still fine and feels comfortable, and I'll slowly add weight every week or month. So after resting and strength and stabilizing exercises, you should be able to... Uh, You should be good to do whatever you want, but whatever it is that you decide to do, it would be a good idea to ease into whatever it is slowly. You don't see a professional NBA player or whatever sport you want. You don't uh, see them going all out or giving 100% as soon as they're back from a serious injury. Sometimes they'll have minutes or time restrictions, and you should be doing a similar thing. Ease into the activity carefully because you don't want to re-injure yourself, especially after going through a few weeks of rehab process. You do not want to set yourself back further. So for the thousandth time, ease into whatever exercises or specific sport you're planning on playing. So for me, I've been back to playing sports. Now, tennis wasn't really affected since I really only use my right side, so that was unaffected. But for basketball, for example, when you shoot the ball, both arms have to raise pretty high. Or if you're grabbing a rebound, for example, something like that. At first, even shooting for me, just raising my arm that high about shoulder or face height, 
I'd still feel a slight pain or slight pinch in my shoulder, so I had to, again, practice slowly doing specific movements like that. And I had to try to be less intense when grabbing my own rebounds. And for something like baseball or softball, which I played a few times in the past few weeks now, for that, my glove is on the side where my shoulder was injured, so on my left side. So I had to make sure I warmed up properly, making sure to at least do arm circles before throwing the ball around or fielding the ball because that'd be a lot of movement and stress on that shoulder. So I warmed up and was pretty much good to go when it came to swinging a bat or catching a ball over my head or something like that. So if we're talking about gym-specific movements... I mentioned earlier the process that it took to do a shoulder press, which was the most difficult exercise for me to get back into. It meant doing bodyweight shoulder presses, which, I mean, if this was before the injury, I could probably do a thousand bodyweight or armweight shoulder presses over my head. But when I got my injury, I couldn't even raise my arms to that position. But over time, I was able to do one rep really slowly. There's going to be a little bit of pain there when you're rehabbing an injury, and that's why you need to do things slowly and make sure that pain is manageable. If you just rush into a shoulder press and adding weight, your body won't be prepared for that amount of stress right away, so you have to start slowly and ease into it. After about four weeks, I was able to do shoulder presses with five pounds. It takes a while and it could be a long process. If you do try to progress faster than your body allows you to, or while your joint motion is still limited, then that could increase your risk for further injury. Think about someone like Kevin Durant, professional NBA player. He got injured in his last run with the Warriors in 2019. He injured his calf early in the playoffs against Houston, and then he decided to come back early because it was the NBA Finals in Toronto, And then he ended up getting an even worse injury than before, unfortunately. He injured his calf initially, and then he suffered an Achilles injury and ended up having to miss all of the next season. This whole process of recovering from an injury is going to be different for everyone. For me, the recovery was pretty smooth, but you do need to have some sort of patience when it comes to recovering from injury. I've dealt with clients who were older than me, They just casually exercise, and because of a bunch of different factors like age and different mobility issues, the process of recovering from an injury could take longer than you think you could, than you think it could, sorry. But regardless, just resting isn't going to be the solution. After resting, you're going to need to get into some kind of movement and exercising. If you don't think you can recover from the injury on your own, then you're going to have to seek out a doctor or specialist or physio to help you with this whole process. So if whatever I said on this podcast hasn't helped, or you're not sure exactly what to do, then please seek professional help to make sure that you recover to the best of your own ability. Listening to your body throughout this process is going to be super important as well. That's what's going to tell you if you can move on to the next step when it comes to recovering and improving. Even in real life, day to day, you should still be working on mobility drills even after you believe that you're 100% cured from your injury or you're back to normal. It's always good to do those movements to continue strengthening your whole body and especially the injured area. 
And that concludes episode 42 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.